This is the Everyday Mind Podcast, the place where we come together to talk about living a life of notice, creating more connected relationships, and ditching the hustle as you establish the life and business you've always wanted. I'm Naftali Roberts, your host and guide, as we journey together exploring the Everyday Mind. Are you ready? Let's go. Hey, everyone. It is Naftali here, and I am so excited to be joining you here today. I can't believe that we are into fall already, and I'm in Southern California, so being in fall just means being more sunny and um, more warm. Actually, fall is probably like the hottest time here. We'll see what this year is like. We, generally speaking, at this point have already had several months of over 100 degree weather. Like not every day, but definitely like weeks on end where it's like we can't even go out of the house. And this year has been really mild. Um, and lovely, minus the mosquitoes, which we don't ever have, and this year we have a lot. So we will see what September is like, but really, September is usually the time of year that is so hot. It's like so, so very hot. So maybe for the rest of you all, for those of you that live outside of the state, happy fall. And for those of you who live in warmer climates, happy more summer. Anyways, today I wanted to jump in with you in your day, in your lives, and I want to talk about how to have enough money as a creative. So for those of you that don't know me, my name is Naftali Roberts and I am a coach for creatives. And what I do is I help creatives know and then enact their belief. But first they have to know that it's possible to make consistent money within their creativity and artistic pursuit. Now, you may be wondering, how did you get into this journey? Like, are you an artist? Are you a creator? Like, did you run a production company or a photography business, what gives you the authority to speak to these things? Well, let me tell you. And the reason I'm telling you is not to toot my own horn because I'm not even sure where that part of the horn is in me um, because I've always thought that's a really funny analogy. But I actually come to you today and to talk about this because I want to share a little bit about the common journey of knowing that you have enough, especially within a population of people as creatives, we often are told from often very young ages that we have to hold on to our money, that we're never going to make money doing what we love, that we're um, dreamers and starving artists, 
Um, I can't even list all of the different things that my clients, my coaching clients come to me talking about. So why can I speak to this? I want to say on the front end, I have run successful businesses, but they were not creative based businesses. They were creative in that I was working with people and I was a therapist and I had the opportunity and joy to use art as one of the ways in which I guided people through a process. And I firmly believe that being a business owner requires a high level of creativity all the live long day, but I wasn't out in the trenches of creating content or creating artisticness. I'm not sure what the word for that is, but you all know what I mean each and every day, but I was surrounded by it and I started to see patterns. So where was I surrounded by it? I live in Southern California and for those of you that don't know, this is where the industry happens. So if you're not in Southern California, what is the industry? Because I remember when I met my husband who is in the industry and you can't see me, but I'm doing quotation marks. And I started to tell my family about this awesome guy that I met who was in the industry. They were like, what is the, like, what is this industry that you talk about? And is it actually an industry? Because that sounds like a bunch of people playing and can anyone actually make money out of that? Oh, so much, so many questions. So when I say the industry, what I mean is the film and TV industry, which is not the only industry, but here in LA it is. And when you say the industry, everyone goes, oh, you're in the industry. Oh, okay. We know what you're talking about. So for the last, oh gosh, long time, I have lived surrounded by the industry and I have worked within my therapy practice with lots and lots of families who are families that are in the industry. And then I met my sweet husband and he's in the industry. And so I have been surrounded and kind of marinated in, because it really has allowed me to be my best person in this creative artistic journey. And let's be honest, I have walked the ups and downs, the rejections, the uncertainty of being a creative, an artist, a maker with my husband. And our family has walked that together. And so through that, I have one had to recognize my whole list of questions about like, how do you have enough money? And like, is this even possible in terms of a profession or career where you are pursuing your passions while also trying to create revenue and money? You're trying to prove everyone wrong that you're going to be a starving artist if you take this path. 
but also you're real scared that possibly everyone else is right. And a couple of years ago, my husband and I were having a conversation and we've always tried, although not successfully, because sometimes the fear gets the best of you to practice this idea of like, we're not going to live in fear. We're not going to buy into the belief that you have to throw away all of your other priorities if you want to be successful in the pursuit of creativity as a job. And that's something we've been told as a family a lot that we are going to need to just get over some of our beliefs and that my husband's going to need to work all the time and I'm going to need to just suck it up and be okay with it. Um, that we have to be okay with my kids not seeing my husband ever. There's a lot of lies. And I'm guessing that for any of you that have chosen to pursue a creative life, these are some things that you've been told. As well, they're quite possibly some beliefs that you hold for yourself. Because I know for me, especially when I walked into this journey with my husband and I had to start to face the dragons hiding under the bed of living this creative life in regards to money, I had to really get uncomfortable with this idea of how do you know if you have enough money and what is enough money? Is there really ever enough? So today, my friends, we are going to talk about how to have enough money. So as we start, I want us to define really clearly how can we get curious with ourselves about how we individually, because we each do this differently, how are we defining enough? Is there a number amount that you believe you need to be successful? Is there a number amount that you know to be the amount that will pay your bills and give you five extra dollars to go get Starbucks? Is there, what is it that you are defining as enough? The reason I want you to stop for just a second, stop, take a breath, because I want you to be clear as you do this. I want you to ask yourself with curiosity, how am I defining enough? And am I defining enough out of a place of scarcity? So a belief that there is a limited amount of money that I have to either fight for or fight against others for, or do I believe that there is enough money for everyone? Not everyone has enough money. And that's a whole other episode on the fact that there just are many people in the world that don't have the resources to get everything that they need, like basic needs met. But even those people, you know, and I, for those of you who have traveled to third world countries and have ever talked to people there about enough, their view of enough is very different and very freeing. 
their view of enough is truly like, do I have the means it takes to provide my family with shelter, food, and opportunity? So how are you and are you and your partner or spouse defining enough? And is that enoughness being defined by an idea of scarcity like there's not enough and we have to fight for it and we have to be scared or are you looking at money from a belief that there is enough and can you say that honestly so when I first entered into this creative life with my husband and we had the first month where so the first year of our marriage to kind of set the stage I was working a full-time job at that point we didn't have kids yet and it worked for us at that point in the journey for me to work full-time it worked kind of far away from where we lived so it was a trek my commute was 45 minutes each way which I had been doing, but suddenly felt like a lot when I wanted to be home with my dear husband and I wanted to be spending time with myself as well as with him. And yeah, so it felt like a lot, but it made sense for us at the time. So at that point, at least during that first year, money was like, okay, well, this creative life, this journey, like it doesn't always have at the beginning because we're all at different points in the journey. It doesn't always have this like certainty piece. And I fell into my normal pattern with money, which is, well, if your money flow isn't certain, then I am going to just really push in to this idea of like, I have to continue to do this job, even though it's a long commute and it doesn't really allow me the life that I want to be living. And I'm tired all the time and I'm not even doing what I'm really passionate about. I was doing administrative work at that time and I can do it really well, but it was not feeding any of my like happy points. It wasn't even bringing me towards my most effective self, but I did it. And you know, a little bit into that year, we found out we were pregnant with my first son and I was like, great. Oh no, not great. Because what the first thing I recognized was that I had been living under this really cyclical pattern of money control, money pattern of fear for a really long time. Let me break this down for you. Every time I would start to feel like I don't have money to do what I want to do. This bill is coming up and it's kind of big. I would figure out a way to like, just like batten down the hatches, stop doing anything fun, eat scrambled eggs and soup for weeks on end, I would like just hold on so tight and I would pay my bill, which was good. 
But like at the end of the day, I always knew I could do that because I had a job. And I really believed in the J-O-B at that point. I wish I was trusting more in God, as in like trusting, I believe in God and you don't have to, but like in my belief system, one of the things that is part of that is like not being foolish and not being like, I don't have to work. That's not a thing, but more, it's just like, okay, like when things feel uncertain, start with believing it is possible for us to survive and we're going to like figure this out and we don't have to rush and create an answer right away. Well, flash forward to this realization that, okay, I'm going to have the sun and I could stay at my job, but I was commuting 45 minutes each way and I worked long hours and like, it was kind of like the corporate of mental health. And so kind of that's for any of you who work or have worked in corporate, you kind of know, like, yes, you work 40 hours, but you kind of don't. So it was like, how am I going to do this and be a new mom with, and this was a big with, with a husband who, when he worked, worked 12 to 18 hour days in who knows what part of the city, state, or world, because at this point, my husband was like, yeah, he was in the hustle season of his creative career. And so he was taking any and all work, which a lot of times meant that he wasn't going to be available for drop-offs of pickups. And, and I had a whole bunch and I'll do another episode about this at another time, but I had a whole bunch of ideas in my mind that were not true in terms of like what being a good wife and mother was. And I came to recognize that none of those were really true for me. But anyways, long story endless, we decided at that point in time that I was going to leave my study job and oh my goodness, that was so scary. It was scary because it's a little scary doing that. Like it was also scary because I had to start getting uncomfortable with these feelings and these beliefs. I started to recognize that I didn't really believe that there was money for everyone. And so when my husband would get turned down for a job or wouldn't land a certain opportunity, I would put on a smile, but inside I was scared. I was so just uncomfortable and scared and I didn't know what to do. So we would try lots of things. We would try being super budgeted. We would try not talking about money. We would, I mean, just so many negative things that you can do when you get scared. So what, my friends, what are some of your go-to relationships? We need to really define our relationship with money before we can know if we have enough and really live in that enough place and then create steps that take us towards continuing to generate income and profit because I know you all love that. So 
there are a couple different really common ways that you may be right now thinking about money. Some of the more common ones would be one kind of a narrative or a script around money that money is to be avoided. It is inherently the cause of major issues and problems. Um, and that then people that have lots of money are greedy and that possibly they don't deserve the money that they have. That is one category or narrative that you might be curious with yourself. Do I believe those things? I know I didn't think that I believed any of those things for a really long time until about five years ago, I started working in an area of our town where there was a high socioeconomic level. And all of a sudden I started to recognize that I had some negative beliefs about money and how money was made, even though I grew up the daughter of an entrepreneur and surrounded by, I mean, surrounded by America, where people have a lot more money than people all over the world. Um, not necessarily because everyone here is bad, but because we just, there are different situations at hand. So I had to face that and recognize how that had possibly been impacting me and my relationship with money because it had been, um, another category that you might interact with and be curious with yourself. No shame, no guilt. Just be curious here is this idea of idealizing money and this perspective that if you have more money, then all of your money will be solved. There and that there is this constant need for more and right. Our goal today is to find out when we have enough, like when we can kind of just be okay and content, not complacent, content and complacent is different, but content with where we are and grateful if more opportunities come, but not necessarily seeking the expansion of money or wealth as a goal in that season of life. But so one might be just, like I said, this money is bad money. People with money are grilled, greedy. Um, and that you really just avoid that. Then it would be like the idealizing of money, believing that money is the solution to all the problems as, a, as opposed to the result of consistent and on purpose action, then it might be this idea that money is something that defines your worth. So, um, in this narrative or belief, um, basically it's, it's the status mindset. Like if I could own that car, then everyone would see me this way and know that I am special, important, and that I am enough and that I've made it. And then lastly, is just this concept or this idea that we always have to be vigilant about money. Now, I need you to know, I am not here saying, don't notice where your money goes. Actually, I'm going to talk about being aware of where your money goes. But what I am saying is when you have this vigilance, like narrative, we can forget that money 
is not to be used carelessly, but it's also not best used like hoarded or protected without a weighing of some of the benefits of spending it. So I want you to stop and I want you to be curious, like are any of those places that when you are honest with yourself might be spaces that you are getting stuck and then therefore not really able to ask yourself honestly and intently, do I have enough money? Can I have enough money? Do I believe that's possible? Or do I kind of hold right now that if I live this creative life, that if I am doing this, that that I I'm choosing poverty or I am choosing the constant hustle. So where can some of those shifts happen when we are taking a journey to having enough money? And this really truly is just the process of being able to be content where we are, which is not the same as complacent. Let me break this down because I feel like I keep saying this and it's because I had to learn the difference. Content is the process of recognizing where you are and having gratitude for it. Complacent is when you see where you're at, see other opportunities, see other things that you're good at and you can bring value and therefore be paid for that value. And you go, eh, I'm good. Like, nah, I'm just going to stay here. I mean, I want the other thing, but that would take, you know, effort. That's complacent. And that, my friends, is not what I want for you. So don't be complacent, please. Thank you. But what I do want is for you to know that you can look at where you are at and you can have gratitude and respect for the place that you are at in your life and your journey right now. And then look at being consistent in that growth. So what are some of these places that we can build contentment and consistency of growth, but also really, really one, be able, because we have recognized our money mindset or money narratives or money stories and start to explore those and see how they're playing out in our life and maybe making us believe that we are less able to spend money or less able to save than we actually are. But then two, I really want to talk about just two specific ways you can look at the money that you do have because you recognize like, oh, I do have enough money for now. I'm going to keep building and I'm going to still be on purpose with this, but I can recognize like I have enough money for now and I believe in the possibility of enough. I believe that we don't have to compete pair ourselves or compete. So how do we get there? Because I know we all want it. So first thing is you're going to really, if you haven't already done this, this feels simple and like something we all should be doing, but most of us don't because we're scared what we're going to find out. 
I want you to know where your money goes. You can't know if you have enough if you don't know what you have. So this next week, I want you to look at your finances. I want you to look over if you are someone like us in our family where money kind of doesn't come in the same way every month. I want you to take like the last 12 months or the last two years, whatever makes sense for you and your flow of money. Um, I want you to look, okay, do how much money on average do I have come in? Like if I take all the chunks of money and I divide it by 12 or 24 or six or whatever timeline you're looking at, what, what is my flow? Like what comes in and then look at where, where are you putting your money? Like what things are you giving importance to because you're spending money on them? The things that we spend money on are the things that are valuable. So I want you to take, you all can get printouts of your bank records. And I want you to actually take your bank records and I'm going to commit to doing this as well here in the next week or two. I don't have my calendar in front of me, so I can't promise when I'm going to do it, but I'm going to commit. And then I'm going to share in the on purpose creatives group where I did it and how I did it and what I found out. But what I want you to look at is what are you prioritizing with your money? And does that align with your priorities? I did an episode a few months back where I talked about really recognizing what your priorities are. And one of the areas I didn't go into very much is that our money and how we spend it tells us where we are prioritizing our time. It also tells us where, what we are prioritizing in life. So take your money without shame, without guilt, look at where you're at and make categories like food or education or so many other things. What are you prioritizing? And does that align with, yeah, does it align with all of the priorities that you have in your life? And if not, then how are you going to shift that? And how, now that you've recognized that you don't have to live in fear of scarcity, but you also don't have to avoid thinking about money and you don't have to idealize it, what needs to change? Every single time, guys, no matter where I'm at in my journey that I do this activity, I recognize some deeper things below the money. Money tells us so much about our thoughts and our feelings and our beliefs. So in the next couple of weeks, I want you to look at your money, your business money, your personal money, just show me the money. And I want you to ask yourself without guilt, without shame, just with intention, is my money going to the places that I want it to go? And if not, let's get curious. You can jump into the group and because we have lots of people in there with lots of great ideas and maybe just say like, Hey, these are my top three categories. You don't have to say how much you spent in each of them. These are my top three categories and that doesn't fit. It doesn't align for me. So what are some ways you guys might suggest shifting out of those places? 
I am guessing because this happens for me and some of the other people I've coached as well. When you look at this, you're going to know what you want to change. And if you're having a hard time believing it's possible, that's where I want to invite you into just more relationship with me, whether it's jumping on a one-on-one call and talking about ways we can like shift some of this stuff. I'm getting a strategy for shifting it so that you don't next time you do this activity go, Oh my gosh, I've spent a lot of my money on just avoiding my fears because I've had seasons when I've printed out my bank records. I'm like, I just spent a lot of money on things that would be defined as other stuff. But at the end of the day, it was just me avoiding being scared, especially scared within my business and especially concerned when I feel like I don't know what's next. What better than spend some money? That's not true. So look at your money, know where it's going and be curious. Is that fitting your purposes? And if not, let's shift it together. And then I want you to look at it and ask yourself, are you making your money a personal journey or are you competing with others? Money and having enough can only be defined by you because my friends, each of us prioritizes different things and each of us in that will feel differently within different income brackets within different patterns of spending. So I can't answer this question for you. But what I can say is that if you practice consistent curiosity within your life and your business, and you practice asking yourself, where am I getting stuck with my money? And how is that keeping me from knowing that I have enough money and that it is possible to create and generate more money on purpose without hustle and burnout and all the things we don't want. And how am I going to walk towards that today? And what am I going to shift in my spending patterns? Not because I'm guilty or scared, but because I'm recognizing like, Hey, this just doesn't fit. I like need to say no to this. It's like I went through (laughs) social media the other day, because remember I said that sometimes when I feel like I'm out of control, like life just is in one of those days where I'm like, ah, what am I going to do? I have found that like cleansing some of those social media accounts where you're just like, oh, this doesn't align anymore. Feels so good. Do that with your spending. Take that printout from your bank account. Look at the last six months, the last year, get some fun highlighters it's back to school time around here and there's so many fun school supplies so i know you can find some fun pins in your office or head on down to the dollar tree or the dollar mart or whatever like the dollar 99 store or whatever you have where you're at and get clear as to where your money is going so that you can know clearly that you have enough I know that we're talking today about one of those things we just don't talk about. We don't talk about money. We don't talk about politics. But my friend, if we keep avoiding 
looking at our money, I can guarantee you, no matter if you have a business or a creative pursuit that is bringing you in zero dollars or a hundred thousand or a million dollars, if you don't look at where your money is going and look at those stories that you've been telling yourself about money, you will continue to believe that you don't have enough because enough isn't a number. It is the state of mind. Go forward. Have a great day. I will talk to you soon. If you want to talk more about this, come on over to the On Purpose Creatives. We'll be having some great conversations about that. I can't wait to talk to you all soon. Thank you for listening to The Everyday Mind. Here's what I want you to do next. Take a screenshot of the episode you just listened to. Head on over to Instagram stories and share there all about why you've been loving the Everyday Mind podcast. Tag me, Naftali V. Roberts, and share so that more people can continue to grow their life of notice so they can build a life and business they always wanted. If you really love me, please head and leave a rating and review so that more people can continue to hear and get encouraged and the tips and tricks to grow a life of notice and build that business on purpose. Have a great day and I'll talk to you all soon.